The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. For another week. My name is not Chris Perfett. It's Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor over at PrideDetroit.com. You can find me online at Detroit Online on Twitter. Right next to me, we got my partner in crime, Ryan Matthews. Pause for dramatic effect. At Ryan POD under uh, at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how we doing, bud? I'm feeling pretty good, and you're already filling in in that adequate role the way that you flubbed my Twitter handle. So you you did your one, and I'm I'm confident that you won't do it again. Yep, it's out of the way up top. Unlike the Lions, who had a, a good up top and flubbed at the end, which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. I'm not ready to transition yet, but that would have been a, a pretty solid segue. I'm, I'm, we're still in the intro part, so we're, we're not getting there yet. <laughs> we want to put off the Lions talk as much as possible. Um, Zazzy wants food. Zazzy, Zazzy wants whatever want is on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken Alfredo uh, on, on the uh, the commercial over there. That's just for you video watchers. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast and don't know already, we live stream this podcast every week at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday evenings on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. This is the final day of November, even though it's the first day of December. Uh, this is the last chance chat for you to see this man and it looks great doesn't it folks it's horrible i'm i i thought about maybe in the third segment just shaving it but probably not great for the audio (laughs) listeners (laughs) he's got to hold the trimmer really close to the microphone i think (laughs) yeah uh ryan how's your thanksgiving bud uh my thanksgiving was just fine i spent it with my dog um we we ate some food together we watched some football um other than that uh i won't get into any of the nitty-gritty details but i will say that the lions probably had a better thanksgiving than i did oh man (laughs) even even the fourth quarter lions well like think about it this way like david blow showed up Mm -hmm. david blau showed up and at least it was like maybe if that's the equivalent of showing up to a Thanksgiving and meeting a relative you've never met before. And they're actually pretty cool. <laughs> like I didn't even get that. I like that. Uh, yeah. 
That's like a distant you know, cousin. I, I think that uh, it, it's a sloppy segue now that I'm expe- now that I'm explaining it. But let let's jump into David Blau's performance because I, I think you put it in a really good way. A guy that really we knew nothing about wasn't in training camp. Um, we don't get to see team ex- team drills during uh, practice during the week. We only get to see individual drills. So literally, he's a pretty big unknown unless you're familiar with his work at Purdue. And he comes in in a really tough situation off a short week, not really having any practices. They were doing all walkthroughs in the week. Comes out, throws two touchdowns in the first quarter, including a 75-yard bomb. Um, I mean, the rest of the game certainly didn't go as swimmingly, but all things considered, could you have imagined a better start for David Blau against a really good Bears defense, too? No, I don't think you could have scripted it any better. And I think the fact that, Thanksgiving got off to such a good start, I think, because of Daryl Bevel. And I want to give David Blau all the credit that he deserves, but third and 10, it looks like, you know, it's going to be a shaky start for this rookie quarterback getting his first crack at playing quarterback in the NFL. And boom, 75 yards to Kenny Galladay. And I think that probably gave him a lot of confidence. And I think you saw that carry itself throughout the first half. And then you saw it kind of wane in the second half. So, uh, I mean, he was the fourth highest graded player on offense for PFF. For the Lions, it's, I imagine. Yeah, for the Lions. For the Lions, <laughs> yeah. But, well, I don't even want to talk about the Bears. <laughs> I don't even want to acknowledge them on this podcast. But I, I think what a lot of Lions fans have to be at least optimistic about moving forward is that the Lions might have found their backup quarterback. And I don't want to overreact, but yeah. that was a really highly pressurized situation. You had a guy who didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of reps in practice. All of a sudden he was, you know, all of a sudden he was the starter on Thanksgiving Day. And I think that he performed about as good as anybody put in that situation could have performed. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I think I gave him a B minus on my my little report card at the end of the game. And and I think some people might view that as a little strict. And I, I honestly I stand by it. He was he was pretty inaccurate for a lot of the day. Um his first throw was was god awful and and I think everyone like audibly gulped after that pass just like oh boy we are in for a long day but credit to him he did a lot of good things in this game too and I think the one thing that I was really impressed with was his ability to manage the pocket Um, he Mm -hmm. typically saw where pressure was coming from knew where to step up knew where to slide and and make throws and that's something that a lot of people don't I mean Stafford didn't have that until like year three or four and so to see him do that in his first career game against a good pass rush very, very impressive, and it, it extended some plays and gave him some opportunities. Of course, when it really mattered, he took a really, really bad uh, sack on that final drive of the game where there was an A-gap blitz that he should have seen right away and gotten rid of the ball to, to live another day. Um, but, I mean, that that's one play in terms of his pocket presence on, on a day in which I thought it was fantastic. Um, sure. And that's and, part and, of the learning curve, right? That's part of the learning curve. Absolutely. I mean, you, don't, yeah. you can't expect a guy to be perfect with that sort of thing in, in his first game. And like I said, to be at the level where he was at in his first game was, was pretty phenomenal. Um, the, the one thing that, that I will say um, about his kind of second half drop off is that doesn't seem to necessarily be a David Blau thing because no. <laughs> this was happening all year, like yeah. even with Matthew Stafford, we got off to a lot of hot starts, you know, whether it's a pseudo flea flicker i'm not going to call it a flea flicker uh in a couple other games this season the lines seem to have really good first quarters offensively and then slide back and earlier on the season i think i 
the reason I put it out there is that the Lions tried to run the ball more in the second half and they couldn't run the ball. Well, now the weird thing is they can kind of run the ball. They've, they've suddenly found uh, a, a good back in David Scarborough and, and they're averaging over four yards of carry in the last three or four games. I can't figure out what's going on with the offense now in the second half. And, and I, I'm not going to put it all on David Blau because we saw it with him. We saw it with Driscoll. We saw it with Stafford. And uh, it's getting really frustrating kind of seeing the same script play out every single week because, I mean, we know the script on defense. Like, they're bad. They're bad most of the game. They're especially bad when they need one more stop at the end of the game like they did this game. And boom, that's the end of the game. And I think the Lions played well enough offensively to win this game, but they didn't in the second half. And that, that to me, is, is just like so much of a recurring thing where it's like, the offense just needs one more play to keep the just to keep the defense off the field and not even have them factor into the game. You know, whether it's the the early timeout and in, in the play that would have gotten a third down conversion way back in week two or three, or you know, uh, just I feel like there's a million examples of that throughout the season. Um, the, the Packers Monday night game, they had a chance to to keep the defense off the field and and they didn't, and then the defense blew it. And that to me was the most frustrating part of the game. I didn't expect the Lions to win this game. I know I predicted them, but that was kind of like a hey, it's a Thanksgiving miracle, maybe. Um, but once David Blau was the starter, I had no expectations for winning this game. And the fact that they kept it close doesn't really mean much to me. I just wanted to win. I just did not want to see the, the the game play out. You know, everyone threw up the Groundhog's Day um, memes and and gifts after the game. But I mean, that's what it is. It's the same thing every week, and I'm pretty sick of it, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard. It's hard not to get sick of it. And I think like you like like you said, the, the Lions have been a victim of the third quarter mm-hmm. all season long. Yeah. And if you take a look at sorry, excuse me, if you take a look at the third quarter of this Bears game, the Lions come out first, first, uh, first drive of the second half, three plays, punt. Yep. you know, second drive, three plays, punt. And they didn't even really do anything until they had that nice little sustained drive there in the third quarter. That that was like, it was like 15 plays or something. It was a long drive. They started all the way on their own 25, but ended up in a field goal. So the lions have been victims of the third quarter. And you wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that, and all of us have heard the stat that the lions have had the lead in every game that they've played in. Right. I wonder how much of that is Daryl Bevel, and I wonder how much of it is Matt Patricia trying to be conservative coming out in the second half and trying to control the ball more than just the other team. Yeah, I, I think, the, like I said, that's kind of the, 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 the narrative that I hung on to for the first half of the season, but the fact mm-hmm. that they can run the ball, I mean... It changes things a little bit, right? But It does. And, and I mean, we're never speaking in absolutes, and I don't think we can say that it's all personnel or it's all play or it's all play call or it's all philosophy. It's this mishmash, right? But I think, I think what's starting to be a little bit of a reoccurring theme is that the lions want to be a little conservative when they have a lead and they had a lead, you know, coming into the second half, they had the ball starting the second half and they got really conservative and the bears made them pay. Yeah. And I mean, to me, and, and this is what I put in, in the report card as well, it's just like when you see a recurring theme like this, when you see the end of games play out the same way over and over again, like how can you look at that and think anything other than, well, coaching is messing up right now, right? If the offense is, is yeah. a lot worse in the second quarter than it is in the first quarter, adjustments aren't being made or the wrong adjustments are being made. I, I don't like people who say like, oh, the lines aren't making halftime adjustments. 
Trust me, they are. Every team does. They're just yeah. not making the right ones. <laughs> right. Um, and and so when you see these these late games play out the same way mm-hmm. and the Lions not getting off the field on third down because they can't create any pressure and giving up big plays through uh. the airs and Justin Coleman disintegrating like Thanos just snapped. I, I mean, I don't... I just made a superhero reference. That's how flustered I am. Right now. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> that's something that's something you don't see every day. What about what about some of the other performances at least that like stood out? What are some other things that we can be grateful for after oh, stood out in a positive way? Yeah, yeah, let's let's <laughs> before we get to all the bad side dishes like fruit salad. Sorry, <laughs> Kyle Yost. Let's talk about some of the other good things that complemented the dish because David Blau was obviously, I think he was the, he was the main ingredient. He was, he was the highlight, sure. but there, there were some other good performances too. I mean, what did you think of, you already touched on it, but Bo Scarborough, is he, is he kind of earning a spot with this team moving forward? Do you think he's certainly making a case for it? And if I'm not mistaken, he's a, a exclusive rights free agent heading into 2020. So lines can bring him back on the cheap. And I don't know why you wouldn't at this point. The guy's running very strong. He's he's averaging over four yards to carry. He's he he essentially has back to back one hundred yard games, even though he technically doesn't have any one hundred yard games because both it, both weeks in a row now he's had a, a twenty plus yard run taken off the board that would have eclipsed hundred yards, um, but we're called back for either holding. I think this week it was a, a block in the back. Um, but yeah, I mean, short yardage. He's your guy. Um, change of pace in terms of of, of you know just bringing the thunder to whoever's your lightning, whether it's carry on Johnson or, or someone else, Ty Johnson or, or JD McKissick or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's now three games, you know, it, it's a trend at this point that he's playing very well. And, you know, you always have to worry of, of teams adjusting. I think uh, maybe we saw a little bit of that with carry on Johnson early in the year. Um, people caught on to his tendencies and he wasn't as effective. So um, he doesn't have like the number two running back job locked up right now for 2020 but he's the leading candidate at this point, I would say. Yeah, I think going into next season, you have to almost consider him somebody who's going to be a part of the Lions' plans moving forward. And to add to that, obviously somebody who's going to be part of the Lions' plans moving forward, Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. You know, only five targets, four catches, one of them that big play, obviously, on on the first on the first drive, the 75-yard catch for the touchdown, but still finished with 158 yards receiving. So those other three catches, big plays. Yeah. And I mean, that's just that's I think the one bright spot of this team really consistently has been the wide receivers, right? They're big mm-hmm. play machines, whether it's Galladay or Jones or Marvin Hall when when he wasn't on the IR. And, and even Danny Amendola has turned out to be a pretty good signing um, in, in a free agent class that's turning out worse and worse every week. <laughs> um, looks like uh, I would say Danny Amendola might be the best of those mm-hmm. signings in terms of cost and, and production. Um, so. Yeah, I'm 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 happy about the receivers. Um, I I imagine they're going to stick with this crew next year. Um, Amendola is the only one that isn't signed through next year, so that's that's a big question there. Um, but I think it's time to start talking about some bad stuff again, because okay. I think I think we're running out of like... good things to talk about. Honestly, well, and it's funny because we we, we 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 all the good things we talked about were on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which if you want to talk about more reoccurring themes this season for the Lions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the defense, again, makes Mitchell Trubisky look like a competent quarterback. Again, no pressure. And this time they almost had everyone back. They, they didn't have snacks for this game, but they had just about every other defensive line piece that was supposed to make this an elite unit. 
Mike Daniels is very barely playing at this point. Deshaun Hand returned to one tackle on the day, I think, and and just about nothing else. Um, I mean, Trey Flowers is still playing pretty well, but with the amount of tension he's getting, you, you'd never notice. He gets, what, one sack on the day, I think, and that that's it you get from your front? Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't, I keep looking at this roster right now and keep thinking like, well, you probably don't bring Mike Daniels back because he's, even when he's playing and supposedly healthy, I mean, he's not on the injury report. It's not doing anything for this team. Um, Deshaun Hand is, is taking a step back and, and whether that's injury related or not, we'll, we'll see. Um, just kind of an unfortunate sophomore year for him. But Ashawn Robinson is, is playing poorly again. He's facing a contract year. He might not be back. Um, it's just not working out on whoever's opposite uh, Trey Flowers either, whether it's Devon Kennard or Romeo Quara. These guys, they, they have kind of okay sack numbers, but they don't have good pressure numbers. And all you have to do is watch game to see that the, the amount of pressure the lines are getting off the edges is just not good enough. And it's it's hurting everybody. And it's it's the fact that it hasn't been figured out or at least improved in any sort of way. And I, I realize you only have the guys you can work with. But man, it's just, it's getting really, I'm getting really tired of just seeing quarterbacks sit back there and pick apart a line secondary that should be better. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's looking really easy on television too, right? Like Trubisky has one beat, two beats, three beats to make these plays. And it's all really, it all starts up front. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Some of the other good performances though, Amani Arariye. Do we think that the Lions might potentially have somebody who they can put opposite Darius Slay should he return next year? I, I think, I think again, you're not writing it in stone or anything yet, but it's certainly uh, a leading candidate at this point. And you talk about Darius Slay and, and his uncertain future. Mani Oruare, um, I, I think at this point, the Lions kind of have to hope that Amani Oruare is that guy. I mean, one good performance in his first kind of start last week, and, and this Thanksgiving game was technically his first start. I think he's what the the number two ranked uh, Lions defender 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 yeah um, in terms of PFF grade um, mm-hmm. didn't make a ton of plays I don't think he got his hand on any balls or anything like that but um but he got a know, lot of work the, though yeah you know yeah. with um yeah with with the injuries that they're dealing with Rashawn Melvin yeah you, and know, you have to wonder playing. like yeah. if if even if Rashawn Melvin you know gets healthy I don't know if you bring him back as a starter I mean what's the point at this point. Right. I think the Lions have some other, I mean, I, I don't think that I would take cornerback off the Lions draft board and I don't even want to get into the draft necessarily, (laughs) at least in this segment of the podcast. I know that we're at least going to talk about draft position and things like that. But I I think that Lions fans with the second good performance you got, you got from a warrior look for him to maybe kind of do the same thing that Bo Scarborough did with, with this game, right. Is maybe the next game, it all of a sudden becomes a trend. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I will say about Amani Oruari is he's got a hell of a test for him in the next four weeks. Um, you, you got Minnesota next week, which aerial <laughs> attack has been pretty good. And they got a couple of really good receivers, whether uh, Adam Thielen will be healthy or not. We'll see. Then you got Tampa Bay. Who might Another have the of, two best wide receivers in the NFL? Yep, yep. And Denver, and and we'll see whether Drew Locke's playing. And I honestly couldn't name a Denver wide receiver right now off the top of my head because I don't play fantasy. Cortland Sutton. There you go. And then obviously <laughs> you finish with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, and they might be playing for the division in that week, so um, he'll be at his best. So uh, that 
that's one thing to like keep your eye on. If if you're still watching this game and if you're watching and listening to this, that you probably are still watching and, and God bless you for doing that. Um, it should be really interesting to see how, how Amani Oroy plays because I do think he will play whether Rashawn Melvin is back or not, whether it's a starting role or not. It really seems like Matt Patricia, you know, has, has let on that if Orari hadn't suffered that knee injury earlier in the season, he was going to get put in the, in the lineup sooner rather than later. So, uh, no, no, I, I think there's no chance we, we like see him bench the rest of the season once, uh, once Melvin comes back. Um, all right. I think, I think we're ready to close up the Thanksgiving game. I think ever, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, it's already three or four days in, in the rear view. Um, do you have any closing thoughts about the Thanksgiving game? Do you, did you come away maybe more optimistic about this team in any way, or is it just like, no, same old, same old? Um, well, optimistic in things that I was not looking forward to being optimistic at this point in the season. Okay. Going into it, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't looking forward to Thanksgiving to say, hmm, the Lions might find their backup quarterback of the future or the Lions might find their situational running back of the future or you know, the Lions might find a good piece at cornerback. But I think that they I think that they're on the right track with with those things that I just mentioned. So I think if Thanksgiving Day was good for anything, it was a good opportunity to see some players who factor into the Lions' future moving forward play well. And that's, I mean, that's all you're really looking for with the rest of the season at this point. Wins and losses, not that big a deal unless you're losing. Well, unless we're losing (laughs) and it affects your draft status, your draft order, draft standings. And that's what we're going to get into when we come back next. We're going to talk about week 13 around the NFL, specifically talking about Lions draft status, where they could go, where they stand, where they could finish by week 17. We'll get to all of it when we come back from POD cast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to the PODcast, prideofdetroit.com. We are here. We are talking about the Detroit Lions, as we always do, following their Thanksgiving game loss. I didn't do the score like Chris did, so if you uh, if you were hanging on, wondering if the Lions won or lost on Thanksgiving, I'll give you the score right now. It's twenty four to twenty. Chicago Bears. Sorry. Um. Anyways, <sighs> the Lions are now three eight and one. They can still make it to seven eight and one. Smile. Uh, but they won't. Uh, <laughs> as of right now, well, they could. Well, they could. They could. They could. Uh, as of right now, they are one of I think five teams with three wins. Obviously, they're they're on the low end of all those teams because they got that pesky tie 
but they are sixth in the draft order after the evening games. We're, we're recording this before Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football, but those are between good teams, so it doesn't really matter. They're going to stay in sixth. Um, and if you're watching on Twitch, I'm going to show you the draft order. At the moment, uh, Bengals 1-11, Giants 2-10, Washington 3-9, Miami 3-9, Falcons 3-9, and then the Lions there 3-8 along with Arizona. Week 13, kind of good to the Detroit Lions. I mean, you look at the this tankathon thing that we have on, on screen. Of the five teams above them, three of them won, including Washington, who's now won two in a row. Miami has now won, I think, three of their last four. And Cincinnati's finally off the schneid as well. Ryan, this is kind of leading up to a point where we can, like, realistically and not be, like, drinking kool-aid in in like spiked kool-aid i don't know like the the anti-kool-aid where this team could very 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 realistically have a top five pick maybe even the top three. Oh, see jeremy this is the thing we do right this is the thing that lions fans do we were singing that same tune <laughs> right after the lions had lost a close game to the chiefs oh man this lions team is right there they're right there. They just went they went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the league. They're gonna they're gonna we 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 can contend for the division this year. We can contend for the division this year. So no so what you're so what you're saying no. is I shouldn't put out an article that says it's okay to believe in the Detroit Lions getting a top five pick. No. Just believe in them finishing somewhere between ten and six. That's where they're gonna end up. They're not gonna get Chase Young. I, I hate to I hate to tell you, Lions fans, Chase Young will not be I don't think Chase Young is getting he, he's not gonna drop any lower than three. So uh, Okay, but are you saying this because you're in the mode of like woe is me, nothing ever good happens to Detroit? Or do you do you actually think that the Lions aren't gonna jump any of these teams? I think that the Lions could legitimately win the game at Denver against Denver. Okay. But that's one game. That is one game. But I'm not counting on the Bengals. I'm not counting on the Lions to jump the Bengals. I'm not counting on the Lions to jump. Yeah, I'm not counting on the Lions to jump. Um, What are some of the other teams that you named? Uh, I don't think that they're going to... uh, Like the Jets. The Jets are ahead of them, right? No, the Jets are ninth. Right, because they're at four and eight now. They won, right? Yeah, Yeah, so... um, Falcons? (sighs) Falcons are bad. They're bad, but they can like they they make some weird gaming. I, I have another piece of evidence that I that I want to okay. approach the bench with. All right, I'll hear it. Okay, so I have here, and again, visual aid for our our Twitch streamers, the list of remaining teams that are that have three wins and and three of them ahead. So the Falcons, Washington, and Dolphins; those are the three teams ahead of the lines in the draft order, and I have their remaining schedules. So the okay. Lions have Vikings, Bucks, Broncos, Packers. I think that's at least three losses, but we we don't need to speculate. Um, those teams have a combined win percentage of fifty four point three. Let's talk about Washington's schedule. They got the Packers next week, rough game, but then they have Philly, who's free falling. They just lost to the Dolphins. Should they anybody been- should anybody from the NFC East make the, <laughs> Go playoffs? To the playoffs? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Then they got the Giants, the two and ten Giants, and then they have Dallas. Who I mean, maybe they're playing. I get they're they're probably playing for the playoffs there. But anyways, 
a 45.8 win percentage for their next four opponents. But that's a good thing in and of itself, though, right? Like Washington and New York, the Giants, they still have to play each other. So one of those teams is going to have to probably lose. Just no ties, but yes. yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I could realistically see one or two wins out of Washington there. Certainly against the Giants and maybe one against Philly or Dallas. Mm-hmm. Whatever team is is not falling on their face, but this is, is all, yeah. Whichever team is falling on their face, but yes. like, but for the Lions, though, this is all just assuming that the Lions are going to lose out, right? Well, okay, they if if the Lions win one, then one of these teams need to lose two or mm-hmm. win two. Sorry, if the win Lions two, win yeah. one, one of these teams have to win two um, for the Lions to jump them. But now let's look at the Dolphins. They've got the Jets next week. They've got the Giants the week after that. They've got oh. the Bengals the week after that. Oh, that's the that's the Christmas showdown. That that yes, that's the Christmas showdown that we were hoping was going to be <laughs> zero and fifteen for zero and fifteen, did not end up happening. And then they have the Patriots. But I mean, you could easily see the Dolphins winning two of those games, right? Oh yeah, especially with the way that they're playing now. They have yeah. Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker might be the best receiver in the entire NFL. <laughs> he yep. was making some incredible catches today. It, but yeah, I mean, not in jest. I, I I think you could see the Dolphins winning at least two of those games. Yeah, and if they and if they don't, well, then they're losing those games to teams that we also would like to see win. Sure. Yeah. Then the Giants yeah. are picking up wins, or the Bengals. And let's be clear, the Lions aren't catching the Bengals. I know today was was a good day for them, but they're not going to catch them. Like it, it would have to be a lose out win out situation. And if you look at the Bengals situate the Bengals schedule, it's not going to happen. Um, let's move to the the Cardinals. Um, they they're next four opponents have a 50% win percentage so it's it's up and down Panthers 49ers Jaguars Bucks certainly could see two wins there right for the Cardinals for the Falcons oh okay you said Cardinals Cardinals? I'm sorry let me let me reset there Falcons next four games Panthers 49ers Jaguars Buccaneers so three teams with losing records there yeah, and the Panthers don't look Panthers don't look especially good either. So, right. Yeah, I, I think which of those games are at home? Because I feel like the the Falcons do play really good at home. Yep, they have the Panthers and Jacksonville at home. Okay. And then right. lastly, you're talking, you're talking me into this a little bit. I, th- this is why I looked this up because it, it the the, the line schedule is tough. You know, I I think I think. No one is going to pick them to beat the Vikings or the Packers. And then I think the Bucks are just a really bad matchup for them. So I I don't see the Lions coming close in three of those games. The, the only thing you can think of, the Lions might win the Bucks game because you don't know whether you're going to get Jekyll or Hyde from yeah. James Winston. That's, right? that's fair. Yep. Um, and then lastly, the Cardinals have the same record as the Lions. So basically it's whoever finishes best or worst down the the, the last four games they have. The Steelers, the Browns, the Seahawks, the Rams. They have the toughest schedule of these five teams with a win percentage just under 60%. Um, that, that's a team to, to potentially worry about, I would say. Because right now the lines are above them in draft order just by um, strength of schedule. Um, so if, if the Cardinals finish out with, with a worse record than the Lions, which kind of looks like it might happen, they're going to jump the Lions in draft order. Yeah, I could also... I could... I mean... Those first two games are at least semi-winnable. Pittsburgh, sure. I don't think, is a world beater, and certainly the Browns aren't either. Yeah. The Seahawks and the Rams will have far too much to play for. All that being said, um, whether it's a, a top five pick or a five or a six through ten pick, 
um, the Lions are going to have to hit on it. Um, whether they get a chance at Chase Daniels or not, that they're going to have a, a shot at a good player. Um, certainly the hit rate in the top five pick is better than a, a six through 10. And uh, I don't think at this point we want to have the, the debate about whether we want this team to tank or not, because I think we're both still where we always are, where no, we don't enjoy watching our team lose, but that doesn't mean we can't root for these other teams to, to win that are worse than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, just checking in, Ryan, you haven't changed your, your stance on tanking, right? No, I have not changed my stance on tanking. I do find it literally impossible in the NFL to tank. Yeah. It's, it's just too physical of a sport for the, for the, for the teams to, to lose on purpose in the way that teams in the NBA can lose on purpose or teams in the NHL could theoretically lose on purpose. Now, that being said, the lions are probably set up maybe better than any of those teams to lose games because of the quarterback position. And I know that we like the way that David Blau played, but I'm probably going to trust Ryan Fitzpatrick to win a game or two, or I'm going to trust one of these other guys to, to win a game, maybe Kyler Murray, or maybe it might be Matt Ryan. Like those guys could probably win a football game. I don't know if David Blau can win a football game on his own. And I know this isn't a visual medium, but right now Jeremy is wrangling a toy from Zazu. And this squeak toy, if I could, if I could explain it in one idea and relate it to the Lions, I can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay. You, you brought you brought up the backup quarterback, um, and I feel like I, I meant to touch this in the first segment. Let, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the backup quarterback situation in Detroit for the final four games because Detroit made an interesting transaction over the weekend. Um, they they ended up putting a quarterback on IR, and it was not Matthew Stafford. They put Jeff Driscoll on IR. They brought in yet another backup quarterback um, whose name currently escapes me because there's been 80 million backup Kyle quarterbacks in Slaughter? Detroit. Kyle right. Slaughter? Kyle Slaughter? Slaughter. I don't, I, is it Slaughter? Slaughter? I believe it's Slaughter. Okay. Um, that's and cool. then also added another guy to the practice squad. And if you know who that is, I will give you a dollar. I could use a dollar, but I don't know who he is. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm going to reference this page called prideofdetroit.com. Joe Callahan is now on the practice squad. Hey, um, welcome to town, Joe. I do find it very interesting that the Lions sent Driscoll to IR yes. and not Matthew Stafford. Let's talk about that because the, I mean, reading between the lines, that means Matthew Stafford's going to play again, right? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I think, I think simply what this is, is, this this does two things, right? One, I think it presents this this very outward facing appearance that Matthew Stafford's a tough guy and he's a gamer and he's going to be there week in and week out and they're trying to get him out on the field. And I think that's something that you sell to the fans as both, hey, this is our guy, and B, he wants to be your guy too. So he's working his tail off to get his body right and to get back out there and to compete for you on Sundays. I really think I really think that that's kind of I think that's part of what's going on. Two, maybe the Lions don't want to get in trouble because maybe Matthew Stafford could play and if he was put on IR without like any reason like without an actual injury. 
I mean, that's as close to tanking as you can get. Taking your franchise quarterback, he can play, and then just putting him on IR. I, I feel like that sort of thing is kind of common where it's like, it's not technically a season ending injury, but it's an injury. We might as, we want to take it easy with him. We're just going to put him on IR. I don't think there's any malfeasance in doing something like that. I think your first point is possible. It, it's dumb enough for the, the, the coaching staff to be like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, tell our fans like he's tough. Like, like they're paying attention to that anymore. Like, no one cares about that, right? Come on, you know, Ticonderoga is definitely <laughs> he's he's pushing pencils and he's still talking about grit, determination, and shaking it off, and you know, showing up to the next game ready ready as ever to go out there and compete and win. I, I, what what percentage of a chance would you put on Matthew Stafford playing another football game this season? Forty percent. Oh my goodness! I, I would put it at listen, four. I would put it at four percent. <laughs> last week, Jeff Driscoll practiced all week leading up to the Thanksgiving game. Matthew Stafford hasn't practiced in a month. Why is Jeff Driscoll on IR and, and Matthew Stafford not? It was uh, Jeff Driscoll was very clearly closer to playing in Thanksgiving. He was the backup. He was active. Jeff Driscoll is bad. Did he did he injure himself holding a clipboard, holding the little Microsoft tablet? Did he drop it on his uh, hamstring? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. But I just know that Matthew Stafford is not going to play another game this year. Because, hold on, how upset would you be if Matthew Stafford played another game this year? That would be asinine. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, because I'm a selfish person and I don't like delaying gratification, Part of me be like, okay, cool. I get to watch Matthew Stafford for another week. That's cool because I'm not going to see him play a football game for another 10 months. But, you know, bigger picture. Of course it's stupid. Yeah. It would make no sense. It would make no sense. So, so I'd be I'd be a 6 out of 10 mad. I I mean, it is it is still very like a very peculiar move to send right? Driscoll to IR and to keep well, Stafford. I mean, if you, if you believe the reports coming out of Sheffield, it's probably all just like Matthew Stafford being really pissed off right now. <laughs> And it's just like, I want to play. Don't put me on IR. I'm your franchise quarterback. You let me play when I'm ready. And I mean, that, that I mean, he's literally said those words to the media. It's like, if I'm healthy, I'm playing. I don't care what our record is. I don't care if we're in or out of the playoffs. I'm playing if I'm healthy. And, and so that's, that's why I think it's 40% or maybe even higher. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think that while Matthew Stafford can say those things, I don't think that that's a check he can cash necessarily. <laughs> Do you think there's any any value of him playing at all this year? Like, but like, I think I've seen some people throw out there, like, um, you know, he he still needs time to develop under the system with with his offensive coordinator with Daryl Bevel. Um, plus, let, let's see him with a running game. Now we got a, a running game going. We've always wondered what Matthew Stafford looks like with a running game. No. I, I think I think I, a I couple tried to of get things. you to take the bait. I know. Game. Good for you, you. Did. Good for you. You did. And I know you're really <laughs> just playing devil's advocate because there's there's nothing to see. I think Matthew Stafford had Daryl Bevel's system down just fine. I think yeah. the fact that the Lions decide to, you know, put their foot on the gas and also take it off the gas at certain times is pretty apparent. And I don't think that's a Matthew Stafford problem. So I think I think that Matthew Stafford playing another down in 2019 is just totally silly. That's a, that's just such a goofy idea. What See if, what you have. See what you have outside of Matthew Stafford. You know he's your franchise quarterback. Yes. 
That's like, the best argument right there. Like, like let's throw let's throw this off the table. Matthew Stafford is going to be the Detroit Lions starting quarterback for the 2020 season. Yes. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's not going to get traded for draft picks. He's not going to nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Matthew Stafford will Matthew Stafford will not be on another football team come 2020. He will be the starter for the Lions in 2020. And you said it exactly, Jeremy. You said it earlier. Big picture in mind. There's not one single good reason as to why Matthew Stafford should play another football game this year. What if I could guarantee you that in the season finale, he catches a game-winning pass thrown by Graham Glasgow? Worth it? Well, worth it for, worth it for a couple of reasons, but also not worth it because it's a win, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but worth it in the sense that Graham Glasgow's on the field. <laughs> what if what if it was Kenny Wiggins? <laughs> nope. Two, th- two thumbs down. <laughs> two thumbs down. I still don't understand it. Graham Glasgow was the highest graded offensive player for the Lions. The only only I, played 55 I snaps. Have, I still have an irrational hope that he's getting an extension, but I just every sign points to right now that like they're not he's getting 70% of playing time instead of 100. They didn't give him an extension in the offseason. There hasn't apparently been any talks, or at least public talks about it during the season. I don't know why. Graham, you know we love you. Come back to us. Just make make them offer you something. I know I know that's not how this works. Make them that. make them make you play every <laughs> down. Like I'm yeah. sure you want to. Don't come off the field. No, that's good. a great thing. That's a great thing to do in your contract year. Well, so that, that's got that's got to be really frustrating for a guy in his contract oh, season too, right? Like, I mean, like, come on, like, let me get tape out there. I'm good, but then again, at the same time, he has tape out there, and he is good, and it's the Lions' and fault that they're not playing. Like, that's that's Center, the crazy guard. thing about this whole thing is that this he screams is all about versatile, versatile, versatile. Ah. <laughs> Angry Stafford's in the chat. Yes, please throw some angry Stafford's in the chat. And while you do, we're going to take a break and hit over to the mailbag, answering all your questions. Chat, if you got some questions, we Twitter kind of let us down this week, so we're going to carry, you guys are going to carry us. Like, you're going to be the David Blouse, where you're going to carry us through most of the game. Hopefully you don't blow it at the end. But I, you don't blow it at the end. Now, nah, mm. can, can we erase that? Chris, if you're listening, cut that. That never happened. Uh, and when we come back mailbag stay tuned mail time Mailbag. That's hashtag SPOD on Twitter, on Twitch. If you're live stream, if you're joining our live stream, you can always throw in questions at any time during our live broadcast. And you can also send us questions at any time on Twitch, on, on Twitter. I'm sorry. Dang it. I just bookended the mistakes. Shoot. Almost made it. Anyways, uh, we take your questions last of the, of the, the show 
almost all the time. Um, we're really going to need to rely on you guys um, in the off season. So make sure you, you get your fun questions. And, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people who are new to the podcast don't realize that we like taking some fun questions that aren't necessarily lines related. Um, we like you to get to know us as people, not just uh, Lions fans, Lions analysts, Lions uh, experts in, in some cases. <laughs> anyway, you talking to me? Uh, <clears throat> no, not at all. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's start on Twitter with our, our, our good friend, Brett Kuzno. Uh, he, he's not too happy these days. Um, he asks, I didn't want Schwartz or Caldwell fired when they were canned. What can I do to facilitate Patricia's departure? Hashtag SPOD. Well, Brett, it seems like you don't have any pull with the team. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Haloti yeah. nada. Haloti nada. Isaac nada. Bringing <laughs> you into the 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people want a sense of control with this team, and uh, I'm sorry, you just don't have any. I, I, I want to say, you know, if the the boycott of Thanksgiving would have worked, then Martha Ford would have fired everyone. And I mean, personally, I'm not for any of that sort of stuff. I'm not ready to to necessarily fire anybody or anything like that. But there's there's very little you can do. This team is not is one of the least valuable franchises in the league. So in terms of buying stuff, in terms of ticket prices and ticket all all that sort of stuff, the Lions aren't in a good spot anyway. So you can't really hurt them in their pockets that much. And it's not like that's going to hurt Martha Ford anyways. I mean, she's a 90 year old woman who's a billionaire. There's not much you're going to do is be like, "Uh Oh, I don't know <laughs> if, if I'm going to be able to, you know, live outside of a cardboard box for my remaining years. She's going to be fine. Yeah. And she should live fine. And I think that she does just about everything that you would hope an owner could do. Right. I mean, like at least, at least there were changes that were made, you know, with Martin Mayhew to Bob Quinn with, uh, no, that's the only one I'm going to say because <laughs> I'm while Jim Caldwell doesn't want any of our apologies. It doesn't seem like Matt Patricia was the right hire for this team. But with that being said, I'm totally lock in step with you. I don't think that not showing up to games does anything, but give more more fodder to the to the waters, right? I, I think I think the only people that are interested in that are the people that are swimming around looking for the chum. They're looking for the easy stuff to talk about. Yeah. If you want to say that the boo birds are out at, you know, I, they they talked about this on the uh, on the telecast, and I'm not sure if you watched the replay of the game, Jeremy, but the very first play <clears throat> where there was a penalty and the Lions had to re-kick, they're already talking about how the boo birds were already out at Ford Field. They hadn't even gotten through like a single play. People were booing, and I understand their frustration. There's just nothing. There's nothing that you can do as a fan of this team to force the organization to lose money on TV revenue. Like right. that's right. You you can't you can't do anything about that. So, um, but what you can do is you can do something for yourself. And if you want to stop showing up to games because, like, you stopped watching Michigan games for part of the season. You can do it for your own personal health and your own personal well-being. And if you want to do that, I, I totally, I totally support you in doing that. But nothing that you do is going to hurt Martha Ford enough that there's going to be a change in ownership. 
And if you do check out on the lines, you can just come back here and we recap the game. Perfect. And we have Plus dogs. you get entertainment. And you get entertainment every week out of us. Positive entertainment for the most part. I just, I just subscribed. Did I, I wasn't going to say it because yeah, it did pop up, but you know, I didn't want it to necessarily be part of the, the, the general podcast that are uh, the audio listeners. But yes, Ryan just su- subscribed to the Twitch channel. Got in in the last second for our Movember uh, uh, campaign. And so we appreciate that, Ryan. Thank you, bud. Just trying to pat myself on the back. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, our friend Walker Kelly on, on Twitter, at Walker Kelly 13 asks, is the NFL fixed sometimes? And why is the answer yes? <laughs> oh, brother. Okay. I brought this one up for a very specific reason. And again, this is going to be a visual aid. So if you aren't watching us on Twitch, I'm sorry, you're not going to see it to the full extent. But there was this study that, that, got released and I'm using the term study very loosely because it's, it comes from the bowels of Reddit um, <laughs> where, where they put a chart together of teams who have gotten first downs via penalty on third down from 2010 to 2019. So through week 10 this year and how many they've received and how many they've given up and chat. Are you ready for this? What if you if you had to guess what team this is going to show that that benefits more and and it, co- it doesn't cost them as much? Who would you say? Uh it kind of smells a little cheesy in here. It should because it is the Green Bay Packers by a long shot. They have over a hundred and ten, where no one else has over a hundred except for maybe the Patriots. Interesting. Um, meanwhile, you have the the Lions not quite in the bottom right but pretty close to the bottom right here where they've given up um 80 first downs 85 or 86 ish um via penalty and they've only received about 71 72 based on this chart and let's be clear here this is reddit i have no idea how accurate this is i'm not trying to spread pop propaganda purposely so let's be clear i don't know if this is 100 percent accurate but it's fun fodder for the people that do think you know the packers get the benefit of a call. And also you have to realize that if you're a better team, of course you're going to get more penalties in your favor because you're more, you're, you're a better team. You don't have to commit fouls to, to even up the game. So there, there's a little factors in, in everything here, but it is kind of just fun to think about. Right. And even those numbers that you spit out for the lions, those are pretty close to breaking even. Yeah, they are. And I know that there's just this, uh, there's this sort of bias I'm not even sure exactly what it is, technically speaking, but the fact that if you're a Lions fan and it happens in front of you all the time, you're going to claim that it's going to be a problem with you and your team only. I will say, though, Reddit has put together some pretty good research, like the James Harden stuff about how he performs (laughs) in different NBA cities based on the ratings of the strip clubs in that city. So... um, (laughs) They've they they do some good research on Reddit, and I don't think that comes to a surprise to anybody. I think you could ask that question to anybody, and I think that they would say that the Green Bay Packers benefit from that more than any other football team. Well, there you go. It's official. Uh, let's go back to our Twitch chat for the next question. I saw one from Willie Streaman, my buddy Harry. Yes, uh, who's having a rougher season, Lions fans or Eagles fans? Oh, brother. 
<laughs> I think it has to be. It has to be Lions fans. <laughs> well, okay, th- this is tricky because he limits it to this year, so we can't factor in the fact that the Lions have sucked for so long and the Eagles oh. have recently been to a Super Bowl. Okay, fair enough. Probably Does still Lions fans. No, probably still <laughs> Lions fans. Our our franchise quarterback has broken bones in his back. So it's true, but I, I think that, and I could pull up the fan pulse results. The The big difference between Lions and Eagles fans this year is that Lions fans have pretty much just been in a downward trajectory since the beginning of the season. Whereas Eagles fans have been teased. Like they're, they're, they're having the, the carrot dangled in front of them like every other week. And it seems like it's just in reach. And then they lose to the Dolphins the next week. Well, I mean, yeah, they even got they got something served up on a silver platter. No pun intended. When the Buffalo Bills, the paper elephants of the NFL, and I stand by that. <laughs> and they're going to lose some games here pretty soon. Like they got Baltimore next week. Good luck with that. Yeah. But I. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing in the same division as Washington, one of the five worst teams in the NFL, the Giants, one of the five worst teams in the NFL, and the Dallas Cowboys who keep on losing games and putting that proverbial carrot in front of you. I think that would I think it'd be frustrating, but what was the question? Cuz I want to I have a hang up on the wording. Okay, it was who's having a rougher season? Lions fans or Eagles fans? <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to say it's Eagles fans. Because turbulence is rough, right? Like, I mean, the Eagles, they're flying that plane and they're hitting turbulence at every single week. Plus, plus they lost the Lions. Right. That that is also (laughs) true. Um, I want to, I brought up the schedule, the Eagles schedule of of this season so far on, on our Twitch channel. They start off with a win against Washington. Then they lose two straight. To the Falcons and the Lions. Now look back on those teams now and, and consider those are two three-win teams. Please say um, yikes. Then, then they win two games, including one at Green Bay, then uh, the other one being the Jets. Then they lose two in a row, Vikings-Cowboys. Then they win two in a row, Bills-Bears. Now they're on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, yikes. and to lose to the Dolphins, I think that if you would have told any Eagles fan week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, that they were going to lose to the Dolphins. I think Eagles fans, I think Eagles fans would at least been like, well, at least we know. We know this team is bad. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And here's here's the fun torment about it is that they're not done. We're not done tormenting the Eagles this year because they are a game out of first place in their division right now. Okay, that just goes back to my point. Nobody from the NFC East should make the playoffs. They should let... They should let all three teams from the NFC West in and go ahead and throw another team from the NFC South. Why not? Yeah, I don't think anyone would be upset if if they just completely barred the NFC East from the, the playoffs, and they'd, they'd be right in doing it. I don't care what kind of president it sends. Get them out of here. <laughs> um, all right, we got a question from our den mother, Suzanne Bakush. At BHY Mother on Twitter, she asks, and this is a good one for you, Ryan, English teacher. Oh boy. What's what's your favorite book? And then she also has a lines question after that. But I want to start with what's your favorite book? And your eyes just showed <laughs> one of panic, like you've never thought about this question before. 
No, I have thought about this question way too often because this is always one of the icebreakers, mm-hmm. get to know you first day of class. Yeah. I let, I let students ask me a question as long as they're school appropriate, of course. And they like I seemingly always get asked the question like, what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite kind of music or what's your favorite book? And I just don't know how to answer that question because I don't think that there's one book that I can just say is like the quintessential book for me. Yeah. I will, if I'm, if my feet are put to the fire though, I would definitely say Ernest Hemingway's In Our Time just because it's a collection of short stories. I actually don't really care for like long novels. I get kind of bored with them. Oh. So hot take. I like short stories. So, oh, wait, nope. Nope. Favorite story. If I can say favorite story, I'm going to say Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. There you go. But yeah. So a little too hoity-toity for the chat, huh? <laughs> Hemingway and Kafka. Okay. I'm, I'm not even answering because you just like it. I'm, I'm going to answer something that sounds like Dr. Seuss in comparison. So <laughs> Diary of a Wimpy Kid. <laughs> Harry Amelia Potter. Bedelia. And the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> That's fine. I don't discriminate. All reading is good reading, unless it's like fine comp. All right, let's go back to Twitter for another question. We got one from Gary AMG underscore Prevo. He asks, why is it that we don't focus on building up one unit at a time, like the Steelers with their linebackers and the 49ers with their defensive line? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure I honestly feel like I feel like this offseason they kind of did that at least a little bit. Like they certainly focused on the defensive line. I think they focused pretty hard on tight ends too, which are oddly two positions that don't don't seem to be playing very well right now. Yeah, I also think that Bob Quinn has addressed the offensive line in literally every single draft. So outside of what, 27? Team. Don't believe he took because that was Jared. That was Jared. Well, twenty seventeen. Well, if you want to count T.J. Hawkinson, oh sure, I'm going to count that as offensive. That's cheating, but it's not cheating. He's not a good blocker. It's proving proving my point. It's not cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that. I mean, do do you find that to be a little cliche? That hey, just football is one in the trenches. Defensive line, offensive line. No, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think, I think, I think that's almost more true than anything else. Any other like football idiom or whatever. But in terms of like the strategy of just like going at one position at a time, that doesn't really necessarily make a lot of sense to me. Because well, I think you want to fill as many holes as possible. Right. Like, yes, I, I get maybe the idea of you wanting an identity on both sides of the ball, whether that's like a really, really good defensive line or a, a strong running game or a big aerial attack or whatever. But you're going to need to fire on all cylinders at some point. And we haven't talked cylinders in a while. Wow. We have not talked about how much oxygen is reaching those pistons and that combustion, that combustion engine that propels the car forward. Yes. The Lions do have an identity, Jeremy. I don't know oh, if you've heard, oh, but no. it's it's establishing the run and stopping it. So 
and the Lions finally finally figured out how to run the football after they were on running back six, and they still can't stop the run. So, hmm, wonderful times here. It's such Pretty a bummer true. that Chris is not a part of the podcast today because all these advertisements for Sunday Night Football include Olive Garden, which is Jer- which is Chris's favorite restaurant to eat at. It's true. Uh, and this, by the way, the mailbag this week is, is sponsored by Ragu. Um, mm, a tasty sauce. A tasty sauce. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the, <laughs> a tasty sauce. Um, all right. I think we're, we're getting ready to close things up. I have a question for mailbag, which is unprecedented. Oh, my goodness. I'll allow it as the judge. Oh, thank you. Um, we, we've heard a lot of talk in the past couple of weeks about dark days in, in Michigan sports. And it certainly has played out that way. Every team is in last place or finished in last place this year. Um, college football hasn't been a lot better. Michigan just dropped a billionth game in a row to Ohio State. Michigan State just barely squeaked into bowl eligibility this year. Quick lane bowl, baby. <laughs> um, let's let's include the college football teams in this conversation. Which Michigan sports team? has the brightest future and and I want that in terms of where they are now to improvement. So if Michigan football is going to continue to be nine and three, eight and four and get whipped by Ohio state, that's a net zero. I'm holding you in contempt. (laughs) Oh man. See, this is just, I think it's truly like a fool's errand. I don't, don't know because you look around at all of these other teams in Detroit, and if we're just talking about the state of Michigan as a whole, I don't know if any of I don't know if any of them elicit the confidence that I have in Matthew Stafford mm. as much as as much as the next guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't think I don't think I look at the Detroit Pistons and say Blake Griffin's going to be the guy. Right. Dylan Larkin is the guy. I'm struggling to think of a Detroit Tiger. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera is still there. Still there, I'm pretty sure. Oh, good. Goodness the guy. Right. Yeah. Michael Fulmer is going to be the guy. Okay. Cordy Aaron brings this up, and it, I feel like this is why it's going to be my answer as well. But is Steve Eiserman kind of that guy? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, I, it's 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 a it's a good it's a good direction to being in. He's like being active. He's making transactions. He's trying to acquire talent. I think that there's a decent pipeline of players. I just think that the Red Wings are probably two ish, maybe three years away, and they have a lot of guys that they have to retain. Yeah, um, and they're, they, they also have-, have the benefit of being literally at rock bottom right now. I feel like it can't get worse for the Red Wings. Well, we're getting pretty close with the Lions, too. <laughs> like, we're talking about potentially having a top three pick. Um, the Pistons are pretty bad, too. But I also think that the Pistons have maybe the most talented roster of any team that's in the state. You have Andre Drummond. Yeah. You have Blake Griffin. You have Derek Rose, who is a more than serviceable player. Luke Kennard is a good player. They have pieces. They have they have good pieces in I think what happened was the 
the NBA as a whole kind of shifted a bunch with all the transactions and right. players moving and the East became a little bit tougher than it was in, in years prior. So it's, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'm going to say the lions. I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid <laughs> with, with the Pistons though. And, and this is, to be fair, I should not be talking about the Pistons. You should not be listening to my opinion on the Pistons because I don't know anything. But it feels like to me from an outsider perspective that they're peaking at this point. Like they've they've got as much talent as they're going to be. At some point, Blake Griffin is going to have to go and then they're right back to where they were before Blake Griffin was here, which is lottery-esque picks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's totally where they're at. But then also, Andre Drummond could potentially, I mean, he's going to opt out of his contract at the end of this year. So now you're going to be left with if the Pistons don't move on from Blake Griffin, he's getting older. If Andre Drummond leaves, uh oh. I mean, what what happens then? I think I think the one thing that works in the benefit of basketball is all it takes is one guy, right? All it, yep. all it takes is one guy to turn your fortunes around. When it comes to the NFL, how many dudes do you need on your team? Like you need like eight or nine, so like many. really good players. So yeah. it's uh. Whatever. I'm an it's idiot. The Red Wings. It's, it's the Red Wings. It's the Lions. Red Wings are making the Stanley Cup in 2022. It's the Grand Rapids. It's the Grand Rapids Griffins. They're the Simple best team. Cap. They're actually losing a lot of games, but whatever. When are we going to a game? Dollar hot dog, dollar beers. <clears throat> Whenever I can get a dog sitter. <laughs> Me too. We'll just, yeah. Let's just put our dogs together and they'll babysit each other. Right, bud? That, that sounds What like could go it. wrong? What could go wrong? Nothing. Nothing could go wrong because it's the POD cast and we appreciate your patronage. Patronage. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back here again, 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night following next week's Minnesota game. We'll also have something uh, in the works with the first bite. We'll probably just keep it a normal first bite since it's a division game and we like talking to our divisional guys. Um, but we'll keep you updated there. That should be a drop on a Wednesday or Thursday. Stay tuned for that. For Twitch channel, for everyone listening, we appreciate you. We appreciate your patience with us, with the team, and all that stuff. Go Lions, and see you, Bayside. Hi. Mmm, a tasty sauce. <laughs> all right, chat. We'll hang around for a little bit to answer some questions. If if you have any questions, I see Hannah asked whether how long the beard and goatee going to save stuff. <laughs> Chris, what are you doing? You're watching and making noises. Chris says it's happening when I, when I get time back to Michigan so I can make a fool of myself. Say that on air. There you go, Chris. I said it on air. You are welcome back anytime to, to do another Griffin slash founder slash whatever. Slash. <laughs> I'm, I'm muting those notifications. I'm not saying anything you're saying now. Uh, but yes, I'm shaving. I, I'm literally shaving this, I think, after I hang up this call. Like, that's how soon I want this off my face. Why? I think I, I actually think it's a pretty good look on you. I, I appreciate that, but it, it. I don't mind the look of it. I mind the feel of it. My oh, upper really? lip feels like a Sahara Desert right now. Stop doing that, please. Well, is is it a moisturizer thing? Get some lip balm. Yeah, I have I have some lip balm. I, I didn't have it for the first three weeks because I didn't know it was a thing. Well, you live and you learn. <laughs> yeah, but no. 
No, it's not. It's not sticking around. I need my baby face again. I need to look like someone who needs to get carded at the movies. The other day, I got carded at sushi, and I didn't bring my ID. Oh no! <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I got carded because I wanted a Sapporo, and I didn't bring my I didn't bring my whole wallet. So I was like, I don't have my wallet. I'm sorry, I don't have my ID. She's like, okay. Do you want a water? I was like, <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I'll, I'll drink water for the rest of the dinner because I look eight years younger than I am. Chris uh, is asking from chat, what game from days is worth watching on Game Pass? I would say the last... Eagles Dolphins is worth it. Eagles Dolphins is probably worth it. Obviously, Ravens Niners was a good game, although it was kind of defensive and I don't even like defense battles but absolutely 1000% watch the last five minutes of the Chargers game you will not be disappointed the Chargers, the Chargers charging it up is worth the price of admission every single time what happened uh, well they tied it up on like it looked like they were screwed like it was a fourth and 11 they complete this huge bomb get a field goal with like 30 seconds left. And I, I mean, I feel like I'm going to spoil this all, but whatever. And like, it looks like the Chargers finally fixed like their, their late game heroics. And then they give up a, a 40 or 50 yard pass interference penalty. Oh, <laughs> and perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't, did, did what games did you watch today? Did you watch games today? Yeah, I did. I watched, um, well, actually, I just watched Game Pass because this is one of my, I love when the Lions don't play on Sundays. Because mm-hmm. then I get to watch, watch Red Zone, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with Scott Hansen, who is a complete just jag off. He's such an idiot. <laughs> you, what? You don't like him? I think he does a phenomenal job at it. No, I mean, I totally get how difficult it would have to be jumping from game to game to game and reacting things in real time, having you know, even a modicum of accuracy while maintaining a presence. Yeah. That's, that's difficult. I can commend him for that. But some of the, some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, like when Greg Olson got like knocked out. Oh no. He got knocked out. He got hit helmet to helmet and he fumbled the ball. And he was like, he was just like, Oh, that's yeah. That's a fumble. Ball's already coming out. And it looks like Greg Olson is out too. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Side note, well, yeah, guy just got clocked in the brain and I don't know. So some some of the times he's just like a little bit too like, yeah, football. But yeah. obviously you have to like you have to be at that level. So whatever. So yeah, I got to watch I got to watch Red Zone. Um they didn't show enough of the Baltimore San Francisco game though on the Red Zone feed. Yeah, that I mean that's always my complaint with Red Zone is that you don't get the feel of any game. You're just kind of Kind of getting the highlights. I mean, they they do a good job trying to overcome that by like doing their little rewinds. Like this is how they got into the red zone. Yes, and things like that. But Uh I don't know when there's a like a premier game like Baltimore Forty Niners. Like I just want to sit there and watch that game. Sure, I'm fine. I'm fine with just getting like the okay. Here's an in game update. Here's what's happening and like I just want to sit and watch that game because it it was fun. And that's what buff streams is great for, right? Um, I can't confirm or deny that. We don't oh. condone illegal streaming. I yes, though. 
but yeah, uh, I, I, you know, there it doesn't feel like there was like a phenomenal finish this week, like a crazy. I mean, there were well, a couple of game-winning field goals, but game-winning field goals are boring. The Carolina game. What happened in the Carolina game? They they scored, and then they got the onside kick. Oh. I, I, don't, know how it, I don't know how that totally ended, though. Oh, wow. They got... Yeah, that might be a good one to watch. They got it into they got first and goal at the one with forty seconds left and couldn't punch it in. They couldn't well hmm. Sounds like that's a problem that is reoccurring because they also couldn't do it against the Packers. Oh yeah. <laughs> that uh, sucks. Hey, is it more rough to be an Eagles fan or a Panthers fan? Man just oh. the Panthers for their year to year variance is Matt has got to be mad inning. Has to be maddening. Also, add on to the fact that you have <laughs> you have people who think that Kyle Allen is the answer moving forward. This was supposed to be like the positive year for the Panthers, right? Yeah. So like since 2012, they've literally gone winning season, losing season, winning season, losing season, winning season, losing season. And last year was seven and nine. Now they're five and seven. They gotta win out. Oh boy! Not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. <clears throat> all right, I think we might be done here. Let's get out of here. All the chat is is Chris talking about his butt. All right. Well, Chris, we all have holes in our butts. <laughs> we do. That's how, how we get rid of stuff. You suck, Chris. <laughs> Shut up. This is just gonna be us like yelling at each other now. All right. Yeah. I'm out of here. Pretty much. All right, guys. I mean, from the antibiotics amuse me. No, we're ending this. Guys, thank you for all the subscriptions throughout the month. Like I said, we're sending them all to Movember Men's Health stuff. (laughs) That's all I got. We'll see you again next week. Love you all. Bye-bye.